Hi, I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Zach Luna. This year, Spider-Man finally joins the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Spider-Man Homecoming. But 15 years ago, the friendly neighborhood webhead hit the big screen for the first time ever. Introducing Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the Spider-Man movies one minute at a time. Starting with Sam Raimi's web-slinging debut, we discuss everything from genetically engineered super spiders to wall-crawling heroics. Join us as we navigate the great power and great responsibility behind every single minute of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Spider-Man Minute, available at DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Dueling Genre Welcome to the Jay and Silent Bob Minute, where we are covering the movie Mallrats, one minute at a time. Today we are covering Minute 11, which is quite possibly the greatest collarbone minute ever. I'm Jeff Ferry. And I'm Chris Derkach. And I'm Craig Cohen. And we are in a room. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. This minute starts with a check being ripped up and ends with uh, Mr. Spenning mid-rant. Um, this minute, all I can say is thank God Michael Rooker's here. Yeah. Because... This minute would not even be passable if he's not there. He's even great while she's tearing that check up. Oh, yeah. He's doing a lot of face acting. <laughs> yes. Of just, she's tearing up the check, and he's, like, kind of reaching his hand out, like, oh, come on. Yeah, like he's in pain. Oh, yeah. He's um, he's there. He is earning his money in this scene. Yes, no doubt. With like, the exception uh, of Stan Lee, he's hands down the strongest actor in this film. Oh, absolutely. I think, um, I'm trying to go through all the actors. Even the guys, even people who I think later become great actors, like Jason Lee, who probably is the most popular person in this movie, is awesome, but he's still a little raw. Wait, hold on. Did you forget Ben Affleck's Yeah, movie? he did forget Ben Affleck. I did, I did not forget Ben Affleck's this movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Listen, I think if you sat Ben Affleck down, he would say this movie is not his finest performance. Because, well, I mean, it's, and it's not even his fault. His c- character is unbelievably one-dimensional in this movie. Yeah. But I think it was this one. Yeah, he's he, he's on the commentary. It's been years since I listened to it. I guess that's probably listened to it since I hosted Mallrats Minute. He, um, he say, he's talking about, uh, oh, that's, because that, he's, like, kind of heavy in this. He's like, oh, that, that's not, that's my brother. That's Barney Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's before he, uh, you know, he got fit and got his, uh, his new teeth. Yeah. Before he yeah, went Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is OG Ben Affleck. Yeah, it, it it is. I, if you're a moviegoer of today who's not familiar with this movie, that must be odd when he shows up. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, what the hell? Like, or when you see his name like eleventh in the credits. <laughs> like, I thought he was always just the uh, more famous but less talented Matt Damon. There goes any chance I was getting Ben Affleck on the show. <laughs> um, right at the beginning, the governor makes a joke about the lottery, which was such a bad joke and didn't land at all because I forgot that there was a setup to the joke like ten minutes ago. Does anyone even remember that there was a setup for that joke? I do remember uh, Rooker mentioning that they do the lottery on his television. Yeah, station. they do the lottery on his station. Yeah, but she said it when she was like drunk and slurring, so chances are you <laughs> missed it. And I only caught it because we were watching it minute by minute. I'm sure if you watch this just at regular speed, you'd not catch it. No, I don't think I would have caught it. Do you guys but, think? Yeah. Do you guys think that Svenning is a more effective character when he's not part of, like when in the in the theatrical cut? I th- he's got a slightly different. Well, not even. He's got a very different motivation in the in the, uh, the theatrical cut. Yeah. Here you but, get almost you get like too much backstory for him. 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I also, I, I think, like, holding off on spending actually benefits him, right? It's yeah, kind of like he, not showing the shark in Jaws. Yeah, he's the, Rooker's uh, naked ass is the shark. <laughs> it's like the fin coming up. <laughs> yeah, because you don't even see, you barely see any of them until you see him setting the stage up. Mm-hmm. And you have, like, the first interaction with him. Here, it's, this is like, it's set up like it's his story. Mm-hmm. You get so much of him at the beginning. And in this minute where he does his whole, when he starts uh, ripping TS up here, he starts talking about, like, not that you feel bad for him, but, like, you're given a reason why he's like this. Where in the theatrical cut, you're really given no reason except for he hates TS and he's dating his daughter. But he yeah, wants to break he, them two up. That's all I know. I, I knew yeah. from the original cut. Yeah, yeah. In, no, that, yeah, that, in this, he's a character. And they're trying to make him a character in this cut. Where in the theatrical cut, he's just an obstacle. He's your villain. Yeah. And not like, not like, uh, like Thanos villain. He's literally, he's like a, a villain who just needs to be overcome. Yeah. Just, he's like a villain from one of the early Marvel movies where they never bothered to figure out, give their villains any real story. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's Whiplash. <laughs> We're like, we just gotta get past him. Alright, so, I hate to bring up other people. What do we think of the, uh, this is the last we're gonna have of the governor here. What do we think of the governor's acting? I don't know. I like her drunk acting. I think it's funny. <laughs> She's another one where I just think the character's not that great. I don't think it's her. Right. They're they're all like just cut out, uh, or you know, like uh, ca- you know, like character uh, sketches. You know that you know you sort of just write up or character cliches. You know, like everybody you know in this scene is sort of just playing a type. They do feel very eighties types too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you see the one EMT walk by with his eighties white man fro, <laughs> I mean, he's very eighties. <laughs> I like the one. Uh... Secret Service agent, I guess he is, pushes his rooker on the ground. That makes me laugh, too. <laughs> just for no reason? <laughs> yeah, just for no reason at all. He just shoves him on the ground. Yeah, and I swear, I look at those two Secret Service agents, or whatever they are, private security. Yeah, private they both security. look familiar. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I don't know why. Like, they have to have been in a TV show I saw or something. Well, the one of them looks really familiar. The one with um, the glasses, or the one that pushed rooker down? Yeah. Um, the one with the glasses, I swore I'd seen somewhere before, and could not place him. I don't know if he just looks like somebody else. In this scene, or, they both have glasses. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I put you in the throat. Well, I'm, I'm looking to see which one I thought I knew, but it's the one, not the one to push Rooker down, the other one. The one, the balding guy. I yeah, I, I, I thought I'd seen him before, but then when they showed the other guy, I kind of thought I'd seen him before. Did you also notice the amount of trench coats in this scene? <laughs> <laughs> what is this, a trench coat convention? Uh, like, seriously, I... I've never seen that many trench coats in one in one place that wasn't like a Secret Service convention. Yeah, it's it's trench Does coat Rooker heavy. Like, trench coat on too. It's like you're watching a a TV show and the FBI characters just showed up. Yeah, and they all yeah, have to wear trench coats. Otherwise, how would you know that they're FBI? <laughs> yeah, Rooker's yeah, Rooker coat is, is down to his at least down to his knee. Yeah. Oh my God! Everybody walking by has a trench coat on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the costume designer got a deal on trench coats or something. Yeah. He found a closet full and just said, everybody's wearing one. Like, don't you think this is a lot of trench coats? No, you're fine. The only one that doesn't have a trench coat on is the EMT guy. Now with them standing in front of that fireplace, it looks out of place. It looks giant right there. Yeah, it looks like it was a plain wall and they put the fireplace there. Yeah, well, and, and they went and the got the fl- biggest the, one they could find. The floor doesn't match the wall and the fireplace either. No. <laughs> and the fireplace is in front of those two wood things that look like they may have been doors at one time. <laughs> yeah, it's an odd setup. Yeah. You're right, though. The tiles, and then they got that fireplace, like granite, in the middle. 
it's one of two things. It's almost it's like they added the fireplace where the fireplace was already there and they redid the rest of the room. Yeah. So now it looks out of place. Like you ever have somebody they redo their whole house but they still have like an old ass stove or something? <laughs> yeah, and they leave it there. And they're like, oh, well, you should fix that because now it looks dumb. <laughs> it's a giant fireplace. Like it comes up to Rooker's elbow. I know. I, I'm waiting for that little guy from like Beetlejuice to step out of it and start marrying people. <laughs> Listen to the Beetlejuice Minute. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, any, any parting words for the governor or her entourage or the many trench coats that believe in the room <laughs> before we get on to whatever the hell TS is trying to accomplish here? I'm just amazed she never made another appearance in the, uh, the, uh, the US universe. Oh, yeah. Well, it's never too late. <laughs> I'm wondering where she broke her collarbone when Rooker tackled her. Is that when she broke her collarbone? I assume when he flipped her over the table or the three guys yeah. tackled her over the table. Because <laughs> that's when, uh, to go back to an actual assassination, when uh, they tried to, when uh, Hinkley tried to assassinate Reagan, he gets tackled into the limousine. Yeah. That's what he originally told the Secret Service agent. He's like, I think you broke my rib. And oh, he wow. landed on top of him, you know, like he's supposed to. <laughs> and he's like, I think you broke my rib. And he's like, they were going to take him back to the White House just to get him away from the danger. And the Secret Service agent's like, no, I think we should go to the hospital. So as they started driving to the hospital, blood started coming out of his mouth. Oh, and they were like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. I stopped an assassination attempt and killed the president. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the good news is. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, Mr. Reagan, how was the event? <laughs> All no, right. No Reagan Let's... impersonation, Jeff? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yes, uh, my my series of impersonations is long and well known. <laughs> Ooh, well, Nancy and I are still looking for the half of my head. <laughs> I mean, that's more terrible than my usual one. <laughs> Did you guys ever kind of when when you saw this movie for the first time, you know, especially in proximity to Clerks? Did you ever like wonder why like Jeff Anderson wasn't in it and why he didn't play TS? Honestly, I saw this one first. <laughs> I would so, say, Chris. Did you yeah. wonder why Jeremy London didn't play Randall? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you my my feelings on that. I just assumed that everybody in Clerks was not an actor. Yeah, and they were just all people he knew. Which is, I'm not. You, obviously, I was not 100 percent wrong. <laughs> That's about half of that cast. But mostly, most of the real parts were actors of some sort. Maybe some have gone on to do stuff, and some haven't. But right. Um, yeah, if I, but. I guess, I mean, if Jeff Anderson's in this movie, he's Brody. I mean, you wouldn't have him be anybody else. I don't know if he'd fit anywhere else unless you gave him a real minor role somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, like, you couldn't see him playing T.S.? No, because hmm. T.S. is too close to Dante. Like, he, he's your straight man that's going to get stepped on this whole movie. Now, yeah. I would have liked to see other people play T.S., but... Like who? I, anybody else. Jason um, London? Jason London. <laughs> the other London brother? <laughs> Ben Affleck. Yeah. Well, didn't Jeremy London basically come out and say he was like stoned this entire movie? Yeah. Uh, and they somebody mentions that in the commentary too that he was. They were like, well, they don't say who. They said someone was stoned this entire movie. And when I first listened to the commentary, I thought they were talking about Jay. Probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute, no, Jay actually had to keep his shit together to like keep this job. Yeah. He had an audition for it, which is amazing. Yeah, they yeah. were trying to replace him. Well, Seth Green was going to play Jay, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah they had him and, uh, him and Breck and Meyer were on standby. Um, yeah, I read that too. They were on standby in case Jay didn't show up. Oh, that's hilarious. Or in case they tied the side of the fire him. It, right. That's such so crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's because he's stoned or because Jeremy London's just not great at the material or because 
this is just a shittily, you know, written character. Well, yeah, I think the other thing, and I think we talked about this on Clerks Minute, is, like, Kevin Smith's dialogue is so specific that I, I almost feel like if you're not a certain kind of actor, no matter how good you are, you're not going to sound right. And he suffers from that a little bit. All the praise that I heaped on O'Halloran in Clerks were, he has the hardest character because he's not super funny. He's got to be the straight man. But he totally carries it in Clerks and keeps it all together where I don't feel like the TS carries that as much in here. Thank God he's got people with him that really, I mean, he's got better actors in this movie. So other people lift it up. Like, he's in this scene right now with Rooker. And just like in the last three scenes, Rooker's carrying all the load here. Oh, yeah. Since the beginning. There was a, there's an old famous quote from, well, I don't know how famous it is, but Jack Nicholson used to talk about that. He said whenever he would be acting, normally he felt like he was, he's always pulling somebody. Like, he's trying to pull them up to, like, his level. And that's definitely what Rooker's doing here. Like, he's trying to drag this guy kicking and screaming up to his level. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say one thing about this, this alternate opening is you get an appreciation for Rooker's hand work. The amount of work he does with his hands, um, is pretty, is pretty awesome. Especially when he's sort of dressing down, uh, TS here. Oh, I have in my notes, nobody does unchecked smoldering rage like Rooker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, a little while back, I appeared on the Wilder Ride where they're doing all the Gene Wilder movies, and I had I was doing we were doing Young Frankenstein, and it was one of the scenes, the scenes where uh, Wilder is screaming at uh, what's his face at uh, Igor. And, Igor. Yeah, he's the Igor. So <laughs> Doctor Frankenstein. That's I mean that's the level of unchecked rage that we're talking about here. Some people can do it, some can't. Rooker can do it. Gene Wilder can do it. Al Pacino can do it. Some people like they can scream and yell all they want. You're like, yeah, you're not, you're not scaring me. But like, if Rooker's not even yelling, he's just he's down when he's down low and talking face to face to you. He is a frightening individual. I'm, yeah, he's intimidating. He is definitely intimidating. And he does it a few times in this movie. And each time, it's it's got to not be great for the person on the other side of it. I do like uh, TS's opening line: "Is Brandy and I are both okay? Like he cares about you at all? <laughs> yeah, nobody cares about you." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's just trying to lump himself in there so he doesn't get in trouble, too. Yeah. Although it is odd that he calls him a menace. Yeah. It tells it seems him like a weird a choice. Yeah. Of work. He's going to insist the authorities lock him up for the rest of his life, too. Yeah. The it's really amazing way- that they were able to salvage this movie. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, you can see the obvious sort of audio edits they did in certain scenes. But yeah, there's one that there's a, the one I'm thinking about is real obvious. Where yeah, they, they changed Jay's dialogue the one time. Yeah, um, you know, uh, it, but it's it's pretty remarkable that they were able to go in and do this without reshooting anything. I mean, I don't think they reshot anything. They just did audio replacement, right? No, and they like later on he has another meltdown with TS, like right when he has Lafour's arrest him, and they basically just cut the whole first half of his speech out, which all tied back to here. <laughs> And that's what's odd, because you get 20, like 15, 20 minutes of setup here, and then you got to lose all that setup. That means you got to lose all the jokes down the road that call back to the setup. Right. And they leave one in there. There's one left in there. Yeah. That calls back to a scene that's not there anymore. And they were like, just leave it. <laughs> like, no one will get it. <laughs> Nobody's going to care. <laughs> yeah. Well, he says later when he's talking to Brody, he calls him, well, if it isn't my neighbor. Yeah. And in the context of this, the cut, you're just assuming he lives next door to him. Where in this 
version in a, like I guess like ten minutes, you're gonna see that he claims to be his neighbor. It's wild. Yeah, just enjoying the Rucker meltdown and his finger work. <laughs> it's really great. You, there's a moment where he's making a fist, and then he like shoots it out into uh, <laughs> like an open palm, um, and his points are just on point. I mean, it's it's really some some great work. Which is good because he's getting. He's got like thirty seconds to carry the scene where Jeremy London's basically just standing there listening to rail at him. Yeah. So you better make it interesting. The problem is, in this in the first fifteen minutes, even though we're kinda of ragging on a little bit, there are good moments, there's good things, but you either needed to cut them down or end up doing what they did, which was cut it all. Like you can have I'm sure you've seen it if you've seen other movies where they'll they'll cut stuff and you'll watch it and you'll be like, Well, it's good on its own, but as part of the movie whole, you know, it just doesn't work. <laughs> Unfortunately. That's most of this beginning. Yeah, it's just weird too that you know, you know, Kevin Smith is such a sort of he's he's a writer, right? I mean, ultimately, at least when he made this movie, he was you know he sort of took pride in the fact that he was more of a writer than a director, right? Yeah, he still says that. Yeah, and I mean, this is like first draft shit. Yeah, I think what happened here is so Clerks comes out in ninety four, right? Yeah, they shoot it in like late ninety three, comes out in ninety four. So this comes out in ninety five. That's a pretty quick turnaround. Probably not for him now, but for him then. Like, I don't know if it was the first draft or if it was, hey, uh, give us a script and we'll make it. And he wanted to make Mallrats, so he handed them a script. And they were like, great. Well, you're a young and upcoming filmmaker. I'm sure you know what you're doing. <laughs> so make that script. Oh, you think they gave him free reign? Just go for it? Yeah. Apparently, this was not the original idea. It was not this. I mean, there's a... We'll get into it in later minutes about how what the originals were supposed to look like. Like it made sense why their names were what they are. Like why mm-hmm. they're named Brody and Quint because they're all names from Jaws. So there was all there was a bunch of different stuff that was going to happen because he talks about Mosher's like if we would have just shot the original script we would have been all millionaires. <laughs> uh, at the Do very you, so end, you, oh go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say so. This is pretty much just like that t- that stereotypical sophomore slump where you have like your whole life to do your first movie um, or, 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 you know, album or novel or whatever. And then the second one, just, you don't have get, all that time. Tell you, okay. It took you six years to write the first one. Now write the next one in six months. Yeah. And also that first one was super personal to you. It was about a place you worked in uh, this one. Hey, you have a budget, so you can sh- shoot it anywhere you want. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. That's why if you ask me what his best movie is, I might say it's this one or that one. If you ask what his most important film is, it's probably Chasing Amy. Oh, totally. Because if that movie flops, that could be it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you could be done. Yeah. But it almost feels like Chasing Amy works as well as it does because of what Mallrats became. And I love Mallrats. I'm a, for a long time, it was my favorite Kevin Smith film. Um, but it almost seems like Chasing Amy benefited from Mallrats' failure. Well, yeah, because then they cut it down to size and they had to do it like an indie again. That probably helped that movie. I think Mallrats, I think, I bet Mallrats is a lot of people's favorite. It's also the easiest, I think it's the lowest entry point for, like, Kevin Smith movies. Because it's a very, it's a more typical movie. It's like, hey, Goofy Antics at the mall. Like, everybody understands that. Where Clerks is a little, a little rougher. Yeah. Like, there's some, there's some strange shit going down in that, in that store. (laughs) And, like, Casey Amy's a very serious movie. Dogma's got all that religious shit attached to it. Yeah. And then he's got a sequel. Then he's got James on a Bob, which makes no friggin' sense unless you've seen the other movies. Yeah, that that is a that is a in, really interesting point in regards to Mallrats. It's the easiest. I, I would say it's the easiest one to like. Hey, we're gonna run this on HBO. 
And if somebody just came across it, they could watch it and be like, I really like that movie. You don't have to know who the hell Jay and Silent Bob are. They're just two goofs that are in the mall. Right. What about like running it on TBS? I remember, God, and I wish I remembered it now, but I remember we used to joke about the TV version of this because oh, there is some yeah, really, really, some really bad um, dialogue replacement in the TV version. And if oh. I remember, they didn't get, you know, it's one of those TV edits where they didn't get some of the voices to do their replacement. Oh, boy. Oh, so it's just like, why don't you just tell him to go for himself? You're like, what happened there? <laughs> why is that guy from a different part of the country all of a sudden? I used to swear Comedy Central did that on purpose. <laughs> I never understood why they just didn't drop it. Yeah. Like, do what they do on the radio when they do a radio edit. They just, you know, it's just like, why don't you go yourself? And it just cuts out. We get yeah. it. Everybody understands. All right. Let's well, and it's cover. also like cert- certain movies you just can't watch on TV with. With dialogue replacement, like like try watching Goodfellas on regular TV. <laughs> I watched The Breakfast Club like two weeks ago. It was on. I watched like twenty minutes of it. This movie doesn't make any sense. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> they used to have a skit on Mad TV about that where they did uh The Sopranos on TV, mm-hmm. and it would be like forty five seconds long. But Tony would walk into a room and he'd be like, "Hey, where's the gabagool?" She's like, "We don't have any gabagool." And he'd go, "What the?" Fuck? And then it would just cut, and it'd be like 10 minutes later, and he'd be walking out, and, I'll see you later. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this nonsense up. Um, I did have a question here at the end. Svenning says about how T.S. gets everything handed to him. Is he implying that T.S. is rich or spoiled, or just that all kids get stuff handed to him? I got the feeling it was all kids he was talking about. Oh, yeah, that was, a, my, that was my takeaway, too. I think he's just one of those guys that just, uh, uh, he's got a bad you know, case of those kids today. Yeah, yeah get off my lawn. Yeah, back in my day, we had to work for everything. That's where he ends. You people just don't grasp. Oh, you people. Always a good time. Yeah, he does say you people, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know what the funny thing, though, is about watching this movie now as opposed to when, you know, I was 20? (laughs) Is the older I get, the more I relate to Svenning. Yeah. Oh, like, that's what I'm saying. That's why it's twice as good that they cut this out, because this builds it up. Like, he has an actual beef here. (laughs) He was going to get money, and T.S. ruined it. Oh, yeah, they completely like, ruined he's it. He's not wrong. It is his fault. Where in the uh, you know the theatrical edit, he's just an asshole. Like, right. he's mad at T.S. for no reason. He even says, do you realize what you just cost me? And he's totally yeah, but, right. And he's right. He did cost yeah. him something. Now, he didn't do it on purpose, but like, that's, that's cold comfort to him. <laughs> and again, that gets us back to this whole, like, how weak this opening was, and it like it really just reeks of like first draft. Like it's a, it's I'm amazed that they ever rolled film on it. Well, the interesting part is if you were like like who's the who's the best character in this movie? I'm betting most people probably say Brody. Yeah, he's so interesting and this and that. And if you said well who's at the time who was the most famous person in this movie? Shannon Doherty. Yeah. So why are we waiting so long to get to that? <laughs> like if you're watching this in 1995, you're like. Who the hell are these people? Even Rooker, who you might know, you're like, oh, well, they're spending a lot of time on him. He must be the star of this film. And then he'll disappear for, like, ten minutes. Yeah, it's odd. It really is odd. He's the antagonist. But, like, you don't need him to show up until he starts becoming an obstacle in the second act. You don't need him in the first act at all. No. All right, I think we've made our positions clear. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure things will uh, start turning themselves around in the next minute. Uh, Craig, why don't you tell everybody where they can uh, find you and listen to you? Um, well, you can hear me on various podcasts, uh, most, um, 
frequently is probably the Slycast, which I do with you, Jeff. And uh, we've been threatening to uh, to unleash uh, some new movie-centric episodes, but um, we've got some other stuff to work through first, uh, including uh, some exciting developments uh, in the, uh, I guess, the life of one of our co-hosts. So, uh, but uh, yeah, the Slycast, if you Google that, you can find all of our previous episodes, and those are a lot of fun. All right. Uh, speaking of fun previous episodes, Chris, where is our stuff at? You get to go over and check out the Burbs Minute, which is, you just Google it, you'll find it. It's Burbs Minute. And um, you can go to Dueling Genre, where we do the Jay and Silent Bob Minute, which we're doing now. We've already completed, uh, what, 91 episodes of Clerks, Jeff? I think that's about where it was. Yeah, I think we're at 91. And we're on there with a whole host of other um, podcasts, including uh, Harry Potter Minute, Rocky Minute, Spider-Man Minute, Back to the Future Minute. And if for some reason that's not enough for you, you can go to MoviesByMinutes.com, and there should be uh, somewhere north of 100 different podcasts doing Movies by Minutes. Is it, so, is it over 100? Uh, uh, well, probably by the time this airs. I'm just taking a guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I haven't looked at it lately. It's got to be. It was, I think it was above 90 the last time I heard it mentioned on another podcast. Right. It's it's crazy. So, like, if you just if you have unlimited time to listen to podcast episodes, go there. I'm sure your favorite movie's probably on there. All right. I think that's it for us, Chris. Do you like a chocolate-covered pretzel? Uh-huh.